0: Welcome to the Global River Church Discipleship Teaching of the Week.
1: We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org.
0: The history that we have with the Father goes way back. It's not the history that I experienced, it's the history that he experienced. He experiences the history of me from the beginning. So we need to have comfort knowing that he has already experienced and has had a relationship with us from the beginning. Our history is much more than we've ever experienced. And we're gonna touch on that tonight. So we just thank you, Lord, for your plan, your perfect plan that you set in motion. We thank you for tonight and we just pray for our Holy Spirit to come tonight. We know you're here. We know your presence is here already and we just thank you for what you have to pour out, the wisdom that you have in store for us, the word that you've put um, in our hearts. We just thank you, Lord, that, that you have a perfect plan. And as you reveal it, you reveal more of who we are in your plan So we just thank you tonight. We, we give this all to you and worship, all of our time and our, all of our thoughts, process. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, all you people at home. Thanks for joining us. I'm glad we're back. <laughs> we didn't get a chance to interact much last week. Um,
2: can we just, can we just stop? I hope you guys in your living room are getting wrecked by the presence. And I, can I just acknowledge the heart of all of you that we don't have a live worship band tonight, but because of your hearts and because of what you were able to do, it doesn't take very many of us. It just takes the right hearts and the presence is so thick and so powerful. And I thank you. I thank you so much. This is the best part about being a child of God, is feeling his presence. So thank you. Thank you, Father, for your Holy Spirit and your presence. It is the greatest gift of all. And as we were worshiping, I just saw his hand touching every single person in this room, and he was just lovingly walking by and just grazing your left arm, every single one of you. So he's here tonight, so just thank you, and we love you all, and we love you, Father, so much. Oh, I missed, I missed this house. Sorry. Sorry.
0: No we, we all miss this house when we're away from it. I spoke with somebody else today who's been gone for a couple of weeks, and said there's such an, it's such an importance of us being in fellowship together in person. There's a There's an atmosphere that we create when we, when we're with each other, which is why we were commanded to continue to meet together, not forsake meeting with each other, as some have. Um, so, <clears throat> we covered Romans 8 last week, and it was good. It was good. There's a lot of conviction in it. It was about being led by the Spirit, and you're either led by the Spirit in what you do, or you're led by the flesh. That's one or the other. It's very black and white in 8. You either have the Spirit of Christ in you, or you don't. Um, so it's kind of convicting because we have to capture all of our thoughts and make sure that what we are thinking is in not entertaining the flesh, that we're focusing on things of the spirit. It's really, it really uh, demands more attention to thinking about our thoughts. Um, so was there any questions or comments that maybe from last week, anybody who was here didn't get a chance to, Dive into anything specifically. I know it was kind of awkward having video, you know, video talking to you and then you talking to video. It's not like it's not really inviting for questions or comments. So I just want to make sure before we move on to nine that there wasn't anything specifically that maybe uh, stuck out to you or weighed on you or a question that maybe didn't get answered. Can we get a microphone so that everyone can hear what she has to say?
3: This chapter changed my life just as much as any other chapter in the Bible. When I was living in such condemnation and I read, therefore now there is no condemnation, I was like, oh, seriously? <laughs> really? Does that, th- that can happen? Doesn't have, you don't have to be condemned. You don't have to live in condemnation. So when we read this chapter, I, I just love it. It changed my life. That's Amen. all I wanted to say. I just it's love true.
0: this. It is. It's, yeah. a, it's a book of freedom. The whole book of Romans is a book of freedom. But
2: Romans 8, yeah. You could have a teaching just on Romans 8. <laughs> it's, it's just, we could just go weeks in Romans 8.
1: Sorry to bother. Yeah, I was encouraged by... I think it was Alicia Christian, to read, like, 9 and 10 and 8 the next time. I forget it was. Maybe you were on Chapter 5, and you said, we're going to do this. And I thought, yeah, I'm really going to do that. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to do that. And then that night, um, I did that. And it was really amazing to
0: me how God was able to use that. I mean, you know, you, you get people who tell you things like, you know, don't cross the street if the light's red. And, yeah, eh, whatever, until you get hit by the bus. But,
2: <laughs> wait a minute, hold on, it doesn't sound too good.
0: But, but really, it was very nice to sit down there, and I really needed to hear from God. And that particular set, uh, was it 8, 9, and 10? Ten? 9, nine ten, ten, 10, and 11. So what I was encouraged to read was 9, 10, and 11. So I'm just going to pass
2: that on.
3: Well, Go that's good because 9, 10, we're 11. We're, we're, covering we're covering it tonight. It
0: tonight.
2: Yeah, it's perfect.
0: So if you didn't read it, you get to join in with Jim. So, we're going to go ahead and dive right in then and 9 10 11 is really focused on the plan that God had set in motion. And it's really it's going to it's going to it's going to bring something out in you that maybe you didn't understand was there. But what I think it's going to bring out and show you is that when you question what we read here and compare it to what we see in the world, and we question, why would God do that? That question brings out something in our, our human characteristic, it brings out something that maybe you didn't recognize as a characteristic, but that question is, in a sense, it's egocentric. That And bear with me, maybe you're not, you don't, you're not gonna see the connection right away and you might think that I'm calling you names, but I'm not. It, it, it's, it, it brings out a haughtiness, a sense of superiority, um, a, and it's, a, it's like a self-centered perspective. And in 9, specifically, we'll find out why that is. So, why don't we go ahead and just dive right into uh, verses 1 through 9.
2: NKJV or Passion.
0: Oh, uh, we've been reading in the uh, New King James. Okay,
2: so we'll go there. We're going to reference from Passion. That's right, we discussed that. So we're going to read the meat of it from NKJV, and then we'll go back and we'll do some of the stuff in Passion. Um, but all right, so 1 through 9, okay. So I tell the truth in Christ. I am not lying, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit, that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. For I wish that I myself were a curse from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God and the promises, of whom are the fathers and from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came, who is over all, the eternally blessed God. Amen. But it is not that the word of God has taken no effect, for they are not all Israel who are of Israel, nor are they all children, because they are the seed of Abraham. But in Isaac your seed shall be called. That is, those who are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as the seed. For this is the word of promise. At this time I will come, and Sarah shall have a son."
0: So, in verses uh, four and three, and and he says, "For my grief is so intense in the passion, just so you can understand the difference, and it's just a little bit more palatable. For my grief is so intense that I wish I would have would be accursed." Cut off from the Messiah. He wishes that he could replace his, his own, he wanted to sacrifice his own salvation, his own relationship with Christ so that his people, the Israelites, would come into faith. He was hurting so bad for his people. Can you imagine being one of the few that believed, and, and you're just crying out in anguish and in pain for the rest of your people to come into this faith, he would have sacrificed his own salvation. He would call himself condemned to hell if it meant that his people would come to the faith. So he, he, really, loved, he really loved Israel. But he he goes on and he says that he starts talking about what the promise really is. The promise of um to Abraham that 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 the the seed would come from from his flesh or in Isaac, he says in Isaac the seed shall be called. So he's not saying all the children of Abraham or going to be called to be God's people he's saying that through Isaac you're going to have the nation that would be the children of God now we know that Abraham was told this promise and he tried to fulfill it himself in his own works he he didn't he couldn't see how it was possible for God to fulfill this promise So he felt like he had to do something. And the fulfillment of his works, his actions, him trying to fulfill this prophecy, he bore another son first. But the promise wasn't through that son. But that son is still a child of Abraham. So we have to be very specific when we say, well,
2: So when we were discussing this, because I was, at first I'm like, why did they use this particular line from Genesis? At this time, I will come and Sarah shall have a son. I was like, why, why use that to prove what you just got done saying? And the fact that when God gave Abraham and Sarah that promise, what he reminded me of was that the Lord had also given him a promise about his seed would be more than the stars in the sky. Right. So he got a word about his seed being more than the stars in the sky. And then the Lord says, I'm going to bless you with a son through Sarah. And from that, you're, uh, the, the blessing is going to come from, from your son with Sarah. I actually think that he got the two mixed up because there was so much time that went by that the promise that the Lord said about him bearing a son wasn't coming to pass. And he's saying, but the Lord said, I was going to have all this. So it's just kind of interesting to see that he forced the promise. He didn't wait for the promise to be fulfilled. And so by works, by his own will, he took the other woman and said, well, it's not happening with Sarah. Let's take another woman, and we're going to force this promise that God gave us, which is, to me, the same thing. that the, is, it's the same thing. It's the law versus walking in the Spirit. Um, so he tried to force the promise, which that was not the promise. The promise was that Sarah would bear the son, not that Abraham would bear a child and the blessing would come from that line. So that, to me, was just fascinating to understand the difference. Um, And for us in our walk, sometimes you can get prophetic words and they can merge together or you can confuse them and you can try to force your hand and make decisions that you think will actually steward that word from happening. But if you have any will, if you have any force, any effort, um, any flesh trying to make something come forth, that's not a promise from God. Um, he's going to make it happen, not us. So that was just something that I gleaned from that. Yeah, There's a
0: parallel with the law because the law was righteousness in, from works. You had to work in the law. So, versus righteousness in faith or in belief, where you don't have to work for that righteousness, you just have to believe. So, even Abraham's own life mirrored what's going to happen thousands of years later. Hi, Pastor. (laughs) So, let's go ahead and read um, 10 through 17.
2: And not only this, but when Rebecca also had conceived by one man, even by our father Isaac, for the children not yet being born and nor having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him who calls. For It is said to her, the older shall serve the younger. And as it is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated." What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? Certainly not. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whomever I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whomever I will have compassion. So then it is not of him who wills, nor of him who runs, but of God who shows mercy. For the scripture says to the Pharaoh, for this very purpose I have raised you up, that I may show my power in you, and that my name may be declared in all the earth."
3: Mm. wow. Yeah.
2: So
0: good. According to his own purpose, he calls people, not according to their good or bad works. Before they were even in the womb, or before they were even in the world, it was already said that the older would serve the younger. Their position their calling, their purpose was already in place. I loved Jacob, but I rejected Esau. I lo- and some say, I loved Jacob, but I hated Esau. They, but they did nothing before that was even said. There was no, there was no reason. They didn't, they didn't do anything to, f- to create this relationship with God. God chose them for this purpose, for his own purpose, And this goes right along with what he said uh, to Moses about, I will show mercy to anyone I choose. I will show compassion to anyone I choose. So that, now now we go back to this, do we even understand what good is? Because if it's for God's purpose, then it must be good. Because God is the only thing that is good. So, you find yourself asking, you know, what Alicia said it, she says, well, that's why you see these, someone who continues to smoke being healed of lung cancer. You know, how, why am I to judge? He's the one who shows mercy to who he chooses. You see someone who just, for instance, is, fights their whole life for the homeless and they get evicted because whatever circumstances, but it's not my choosing, it's God's choosing who he shows mercy on and who he has compassion for.
2: Daniel 2 verses 20, 21. I love this. In 22. We were just
0: so You don't know this, but we were in Daniel 2 this morning at intercession. You were? Yes. And also, Marian brought up De- um, Deuteronomy 29.
2: What? We've been in that too. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Lord. That's so beautiful. So
0: it's been a theme for so, today.
2: Okay. Well, then that completely... It, yes. So Daniel answered and said, blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changes the times and the season." He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with him. He is God. He is God.
0: So we have to find hope in knowing that he has plans and they are in place. Because when things don't turn out the way you think they should, are you going to question his plans? Your heart's going to be like, Wrenched. Uh, that's not what I thought it should have been. But he has plans. He appointed Pharaoh for the very purpose of displaying his power.
3: Yeah.
0: Pharaoh, you know, a, a godhead himself, who 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 showed himself as a god himself. In in. Control of one of the mightiest nations. Yes, he placed him in that position so that God can be glorified. So, Amen. I'm just saying, you need, we need when we look and we start questioning, why would God allow this? Why would God do this? That is not a question that the vessel or the clay can ask the potter. So that's what we're going on next. So let's go to um, 19 through
2: 24. Okay. Ooh, hold on. <gasps> hold on. Oh, yes, no, I do, and I do want to make this point. I really don't like when he, they, he says loved and hated about Esau and Jacob. So if anybody's ever struggled with the hated, because I'm like doesn't make any sense. The rejected, when you do the root word, rejected is really the, the correct way to read that. Um, and some people, I think, have a harder time with the fact that he loved Jacob. But, <laughs> but um, anyway, so it really does make more sense with um, who he loved Jacob and he rejected Esau. So I just wanted to clarify that. It helps me because our understanding of hated is very different. It's very malicious. And God wasn't malicious towards Esau. Oh, okay. Oh, perfect. So does the passion. um, Yeah.
0: The new King James says hated. And. uh,
2: Okay, yeah. See, it just makes so much more sense. Okay, I'm so sorry, honey. I lost my place. Where am I?
0: The King James also says hated. Ooh, verse 18. Okay. It's 19
2: through 24. Oh. I'm going to read 18 again for he has mercy on whom he wills and whom he wills he hardens you will say to me then why does he still find fault for who has resisted his will but indeed O man who are you to reply against god will the thing formed say to him who formed it why have you made me like this does not the potter have power over the clay from the same lump to make one vessel for honor and another for dishonor What if God, wanting to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long-suffering the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had prepared beforehand for glory? Even us, whom he called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. As he says also in Hosea, I will call them my people who are not my people and her beloved who was not beloved. And I shall come to pass in the place where it was said to them, you are not my people. There they shall be called sons of the living God. And Isaiah also cries out concerning Israel. What?
0: That's that's good. We were going to stop at 24.
2: Oh, we were? (laughs) Because
0: this is where he talks about him being the creator and us being the created. Okay. how, how can we, as the created, question what the one who created all things, the one who knew had every moment written out, we heard it in the worship song, every moment was written out. That's every moment he experienced. That's not every moment I experienced, because I only experienced a finite amount of moments. But every moment that he experienced, he has written out already. So he, how can we, the created question or argue with him, why have you made me this way? He has full rights to make something for disgrace, purposely for disgrace. Yeah. So when asking that question, it really, it tries to, it almost try. it's like you're trying to elevate yourself to a level that you, you, you don't have any right to because he is the creator and we are the creation. The creation cannot be elevated to anything other than what he wills us to be. So trying to ask him why, trying to understand him or question his decisions even. Some, some Christians ask questions that, are, that sound like they just don't agree with what God's doing <laughs> That is trying to elevate yourself to a level that you have no right being in. So when you find yourself asking that question, why is the creator doing this to the creation? Remember your position in that question. His sovereignty, his glory. It's not about us, it's not about our understanding, it's not about any of that stuff. It's about his glory, his sovereignty, his will. And if your heart isn't in the right position, you're going you're gonna to get hurt. You're going to allow yourself to be hurt. You're not going to be receptive to his will, which is the safest place to be. John, t- John Maples tells me all the time, where's the safest place to be in God's will? He's a smart man, that's right.
2: Well, and we see that played out a lot in people who lose beloved ones before their time. Most of the time, people pull away from God and they get mad at Him and they question Him. Why would that happen if I lose a beloved one uh, before their time, before I believe they should go? Um, And I've seen that play out in, in my own family. So in this scripture, yeah, we need to reference that and remember that His ways are not our ways.
0: So this is, and it's very, it's not, it's not hard to understand what Paul's saying in verse 20. No, do not say that. Who are you, a mere human being, to argue with God? Should the thing that was created say that to the one who created it? It's very, it's, it's, it's hard to argue with that. So if you read scripture, and if you believe scripture, and if you, believe it's the true word of God, you have to ingest that into your heart and it has to change the thought process that allows you to create questions. It's, it's, this, it's the flesh that's creating the question. It's not the spirit. The spirit knows the mind of God. The spirit knows our identity and who we are and the spirit teaches us. So it's not the spirit that's creating this question. It has to be the flesh. It's There's two minds, the mind, mind of the body and the mind of the flesh. It's the flesh that's creating this question, not the spirit. The spirit, when the spirit creates a question, it's going to glorify God. It's going to grow you closer in, in relationship with him. It's going to be a teaching. There's going to be answers. There's going to be revelation. There's going to be the kingdom. Peace. There's going to be peace. There's going to be the kingdom will be, be ushered in. There's going to be, that's what... Questions from the spirit is going to bring questions from the from the from the flesh or from the carnal mind. Those questions are going to bring division. They're going to bring circular logic. They're going to bring questions without answers. So we we have to be we have to be analytical of questions that we ask themselves. Not just asking questions just to know, but why are we asking that question?
2: It's a heart posture. It's. Because he wants us to come as little children. What do children do? They ask questions about everything, but it's from a purity. It's from a not questioning the authority. It's to simply know, to grow in revelation, wisdom, and curiosity. I'm a very curious person. So I think, again, we just have to stay humble. That's why the Holy Spirit was saying peace. When you're at peace and you're questioning, like, I truly want to know this. If you're at peace and you know that your heart posture is in in the right place because you're not questioning his sovereignty, his authority, you're still at peace and you're like, I just, I want to know, am I allowed to know this? This doesn't make sense. Like what, you know, that to me, that is, we need to stay as little children. Because I remember the first time I found out that we were allowed to ask questions, I was floored. I'm like, we can do that. (laughs) We can with the right posture. And he wants us to come as little children. And little children, they're humble. So I think that we just need to remember. humility in the
0: the spirit, definitely. Come
2: come as little ones.
0: That's right. Especially
2: because he uses, Jesus uses the parable about the woman continuing to not, continuing to bug, to ask the neighbor for, for, what is she? She needed something. And she keeps going and she keeps going and she keeps going. Because he wants us, he wants us to come like that. He wants us to be, anyway, so... Yeah, it's good. Can I read the rest of this in passion? This these next chapters? Yes,
0: twenty-five through twenty-nine.
2: Okay. All right. This is so just okay. So remember the prophecy God gave Hosea. To those who were rejected and not my people, I will say to them, You are mine. And to those who were unloved, I will say, You are my darling. And in the place where they were told, You are nobody. This will be the very place where they will be renamed children of the living God. And as the prophet Isaiah cries out to Israel, though the children of Israel are as many as the sands of the seashore, only a remnant will be saved. For the Lord will act and carry out his word on the earth and waste no time to accomplish it. Just as Isaiah saw it coming and prophesied, if the Lord God of angel armies had not left us a remnant, we would have been destroyed like Sodom and left desolate like Gomorrah.
0: So this remnant he's mm. talking about. Well, first off, Hosea, the prophet, these are. this is a book that all of Israel would be familiar with. This is a book that's in their, in their scripture, part of their religion and part of their um, upbringing so they they know this prophecy those who are not my people i will now call my people they know that they've been raised in it but they're refusing to see it actually happen so this is where we start seeing we start seeing um where where was the title on this other one
2: I can't help you, darling. Sorry.
0: I lost it. Anyways, so we start seeing Israel's rejection of, of uh, prophecy here. I mean, they, they were raised in this. And he says that I will love those whom I did not love before. So he prepared them. He gave them plenty of warning, too. And then he goes on, and he says that there will be there will only a remnant will be saved, only a portion of Israel. So this remnant, this is a concept that God uses to save Israel in more than one occasion. We hear, we see the remnant here. We're going to see the remnant later with Elijah, and we're going to see the remnant even in. Paul's time so um
2: and understand that we could do like a year-long study on just 9 10 and 11 because it's really the history of Israel and the Jews and we have an hour so just understand that a lot of this we are just barely skimming the top of because this is a whole study in itself. So I encourage you to go dig in 9, 10 and 11 in the history of the restoration of Israel. It is Old Testament, it is Deuteronomy, it is Revelation, it is God's chosen people. The it, I told Daniel, I was like this is this is deep. This we could spend a whole year on just these three chapters. So I just want you guys to know it's why we're 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 just trying to give a kind of a basic outline of what's happening. So, but I think, I think we're going to dive into this soon.
0: Any questions so far?
2: Good. We need to. All right. all right.
0: 30 to the end there.
2: So this is titled Israel's Unbelief. So then what does all this mean? So here's the irony. The non-Jewish people who weren't even pursuing righteousness were the ones who seized it a perfect righteousness that is transferred by faith. Yet Israel, even though pursuing a legal righteousness, did not attain to it. And why was that? Because they did not pursue the path of faith, but insisted on pursuing righteousness by works, as if it could be seized another way. They were actually offended by the means of of obtaining it and stumbled over the stumbling stone, just as it is written, be careful. I'm setting in Zion a stone that will cause people to stumble. A teaching of offense that will make them fall, but believers in him will not experience shame. And it says a rock of offense that will make them fall. But when you do the history on that word, it really means a teaching. And it is the teaching. Well, how
0: do we get to the teaching? Just so we have some history here.
2: Oh, how do we get to the teaching? So there's a play on words here that is lost in translation. The Aramaic word for rock is kifa, and it's also the same word for teaching. So Aramaic speakers today still say that to stand in faith means to stand on a rock, means teaching or faith. Um, to stand in faith means to stand on a rock and to speak a message of faith for salvation it's hidden in the word rock. So for me, I immediately put teacher in there and it made so much more, so much more sense because it's this teaching that is not by works. It's by faith that is offending them. And
0: he placed it as a stumbling stone for them. So this is, this is all planned out. This is all, and nothing is, is, you know, this isn't any guesswork on God's part. He's not surprised. Uh, Israel not uh, Israel rejecting at their, at their unbelief in the current condition of Israel. He's not surprised because he placed this in a position for them to stumble. He is the potter. They are the created. He is the creator. He has a purpose and we have to have continue with hope and faith in that purpose. Hmm.
2: All right. Chapter 10. So brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law The man who does those things shall live by them. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved.
0: So he's, he's going into the difference again between the law of Moses and, and what faith brings for righteousness here. And in the law of Moses, there was someone you had to go through to achieve righteousness, it was it was you bringing your sacrifice to the temple, and there was people in the temple that would then take your sacrifice into the presence, and so there was this process, and it all was based on someone else doing it for you, someone else bringing your offering, or someone else in um, basically an intercession for you. So this there I'm not saying that it ever happened, but there could have been a situation where you come to the temple and you're like, well, I couldn't make my offering because the priest wasn't available. He wasn't there. Who's gonna, you know, you might quite you know, maybe and then then you missed your opportunity. But with faith as a way into salvation, he says, he's he says, You cannot say who will do this for me. Who will go to heaven and bring this down for me? There's no more, there's no one in between me and my salvation. I can't say who's gonna go down to the place of the dead for me on my behalf because that's not the way that salvation through faith works. It is at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart. So he took that that out of the equation. There was a barrier between you and achieving this righteousness now in faith. There is no barrier. There is no excuse that you can use any longer.
2: You just have to have the revelation. In Passion, verse 9, it says, and what is God's living message? It is the revelation of faith for salvation.
0: Yeah, New Living says that the message is the very message about faith that we preach. If you only openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you will be saved. So salvation is on your lips and in your heart.
2: And this is mirrored in Deuteronomy 30, verses 11 through 14, which is where he's pulling from that says, for this commandment which I command you today is not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend into heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very near you, in your mouth and in your heart that you may do it. I love how he just, he keeps telling us the same things over and over and over again to make sure we really get it.
0: So let's go from, uh, what are we, 10, 10 through 17.
2: Okay. Let me see where... I need a bigger version of this. I feel, I mean, I'm having to... <laughs> I need bigger writing. Oh, All right. No, I have to do this in in our good old, there's just certain, you know, one thing I've really been enjoying about digging into all the different translations is that somehow there are certain scriptures that I truly believe have been written on our hearts since birth, and it's, it's the KJV way, it's New King James works, there's just certain scriptures, like, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. I, I was reading it in passion, and I went, it just it doesn't have the same flavor. It doesn't have the same spirit behind it. And I couldn't believe that even though I didn't get saved till I was 22, just those few times going to Sunday school at the Baptist church as a little girl, my aunt and uncle were like the first Christians in the family, and I loved them. And they lived right down the road from us. And I always wanted to stay the night with them, they had three kids. And uh, they were stable. It was just a different environment. And she would, my aunt would only let me stay the night on Saturdays so that I had to go to church with them on Sunday morning. And I hated it because I felt so out of place in that classroom. I felt dirty, like I didn't belong from the time I was four years old. I never felt like I belonged there and that I was judged. But I loved hearing about Jesus, and I knew in my spirit, and I knew that everything was true. And I realized I was going through a tote, getting rid of stuff that I don't need to hold on to anymore. And I found my Bible that I got when I first got baptized. And it was the Believer Study Bible, because I got saved and baptized at the Baptist Church. And it was NKJV. And there's just certain scriptures that I truly believe get written on our heart. Sorry, a little rabbit trail there. I just wanted to share that. So it's nice to reference passion, but there's, there's just nothing like King James. So anyway, thank you, Father, for your word. All right, so.
0: 10 through 17.
2: Yes. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is, to, is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We just have to call on his name. Do you guys remember that? Do you remember the first time you called his name? I pray that that's always at the forefront of everything that you do the first time we called his name.
0: I remember the first time I called out to the Father. I was 22, 22 years old, and I was dating a girl who prayed. I had never dated anybody who prayed before.
2: This is new.
0: Wow. <laughs> it was weird. <laughs> It was weird, but she prayed and I was in the world and I was, I was the world. I was like, there was, I was in the, it was in the trenches of the world. There was no, no godliness in sight. I was not seeking anything but myself, but she prayed and she made me pray once. I was like, this is so weird. And, uh a year goes by and our relationship is getting really stressed and, and it's falling apart because, because i'm just a mess i'm just i'm i'm a drunk and i'm high all the time and it's just a mess it's, it's just but our arguments were getting so heated and so fueled with this rage this carnal rage that it was it was it was scary sometimes and I remember once she uh, she was just screaming and hollering, and she grabbed a um, steak knife out of the kitchen and I physically had to pin her down to the ground, never experienced that before I had to pin this girl down to the ground and it was a fear for herself or a fear for me, but she was just b- As Katie would say, she was bazonkers. Um, But I had to, I felt like I had to pin her down, but I was using physical force to restrain a woman for the first time in my life. And it was, I felt disgusting. I felt like I had just betrayed my mother, who was, you know, raised us alone, a single mother. I always wanted to be the, the husband that she never could find. I wanted to be that that provider. provider and that caretaker and I find myself in this situation and I felt wretched. Like I had just committed this heinous act against this woman, this creation of God and I, I left, I ran to my father's house who is not a very godly man himself. It was in the middle of the night and I knocked on his door and I told him the whole thing. I needed to confess it and I cried out to God to forgive me right there on his front porch. It was the first time in my life I had ever cried out. And not too long after, he revealed himself to me. So it was a pretty amazing moment in life. But those, when you cry out to him, when you call on his name, he answers.
2: I have a word from the Lord for you. You've rage and anger is something that got passed on to you, that you were born with, and it's been one of your biggest struggles. And it's going to be one of your greatest parts of your ministry because the Lord's going to use you to bring deliverance to men that have rage and anger issues. He's brought you a long ways, and he's going to pull the rest of that root out, Daniel, and he's going to clean it from
0: He has pulled the. It line. Out. In Jesus name It's gone. It has been yeah. wrapped, burned out of me with the Holy Spirit.
2: But you're going to be able wow, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
0: Hmm. what is it Romans, work All things work Good. amen let's move on here 18 yeah. to 21 wow. thank you lord
2: and I don't get words for him ever so cool holy spirit you're awesome where are we
0: Romans 10 18 through 21
2: This is fun. All right. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, indeed. Their sound has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. But I say, did Israel not know? Well, first Moses says, I will provoke you to jealousy by those who are not a nation, and I will move you to anger by a foolish nation. But Isaiah is very bold and says... I was found by those who did not seek me. I was made manifest to those who did not ask for me. But to Israel, he says, all day long I have stretched out my hands to you disobedient and contrary people. Mm.
0: This is not anything new for Israel, is it? There's whole books in the Old Testament about them turning away from God and being disobedient and being rebellious and reaping the, you know, the, the curses that come with that and then turning back to him again. So this isn't, this isn't anything new um, for Israel, but it is new that he says that there will be another nation, mm. that I will arouse your jealousy through people who are not even a nation. People who are not even a nation. Think of the Christians today. Are they a nation? There are many nations. There are people of all nations. So they are not a people of one nation.
2: Yeah, and it's Isaiah 65 that he's referencing in verses 20 and 21. I was sought by those who did not ask for me, and I was found by those who did not seek me. I said, here I am, here I am, to a nation that was not called by my name. I have stretched out my hands all day long to a rebellious people who walk in a way that is not good according to their own thoughts.
0: Hundreds Mm -hmm. of years they read these manuscripts, they read these prophecies for hundreds of years. And when the time came, they were still blinded. They still couldn't see the fulfillment. But we're gonna find out why in 11.
2: Which one's 11, one to what? Just elbow me when you're ready. One through six. Okay. I say then, has God cast away his people Certainly not, for I also am an Israelite, of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not cast away his people whom he foreknew. Or do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah, how he pleads with God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars, and I alone am left, and they seek my life. But what does the divine response say to him? I have reserved for myself seven thousand men who have not bowed to the knee who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Even so, then, at this present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. And if by grace, then it is no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But if it is of works, it is no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work.
0: So here we see <laughs> we see that God has not rejected His own people, even though they have rejected Him, even though they are disobedient and rebellious, even though they they ignore the prophecies, they ignore the teachings that they've been raised in that has been in their. Culture, in their nation, in their history, in their lineage. These these scrolls and these prophets and these, these words have they've been hanging on these words for centuries and they still refuse to see it, but God has not rejected his people. So if anyone has any theology that does not believe that Israel is still God's chosen nation, they have not read their Bible. And I don't. I'm not saying that. I'm not trying to offend anybody or tell tell you that you're wrong. But I say read Romans 11, and then tell me that Israel isn't still not loved and and accepted as uh, God's chosen. Um, But here we move on and we see this remnant again. We heard. We talked about the remnant um, in chapter uh, nine. And now he, now he shows in um, with Elijah, he was the last one left. He felt like he was the only one left. Why? And now they're trying to kill me. But there's a secret remnant that God kept for himself. And it was not because of what they were doing. It wasn't their works that kept them in God's grace. It was his grace that he poured out on them that kept them. He was the one who kept that remnant holy or righteous for himself.
2: He preserved. He
0: preserved his own nation with that remnant. And Paul goes on to say there's, an, there's a remnant today just the same in God's people. In Israel, there's a remnant today even that is still in God's grace Today. We look out there and we see, we see the Jewish nation or we see uh, the Jewish believers and that's we think, not the, no, not, we're not. Oh, sorry. We think, why don't they understand? Well, you know, they don't, they don't believe in Christ. They are not gonna be saved. This is a nation of God. Why, you know, why can't? how can they be? But it's, it's this remnant that he has that's hidden in the nation that he has. Secret. Uh, he's, he, and, and he's undeserving kindness too. It's not that they've done anything. They can't do anything to earn it. Otherwise, it wouldn't be his grace. It wouldn't be free, which it needs to be free. It has to be free. So in our conversation about this, We we real well we said well that has to be the this uh, messianic Jew movement that they have this faith in they have Jewish faith that incorporates Christ the Messiah this has to be the remnant and as soon as we said that Holy Spirit fell right in the living room and least almost got knocked to the
2: floor the floor <laughs> it was so it was so cool out and when I went I think we're on to something. I think I think that was a yes. It was a yes, but also we've been in this study, but for some reason we were really talking about his beloved Israel and his people, and we were go- not. And we were going down that trail, and there was something that the the Father is so pleased when we inquire about his people and when we seek after to know more about his people. And then he blesses us when we've come across the nuggets of truth and revelation that he wants us to know. And I've never experienced that. I didn't know how important Israel was until Global River. And of all the places he could have brought us, because we said we'd go anywhere, he brought us here. (laughs) So grateful. But I just want to encourage you guys to... Dive in to Israel and his beloved people because he loves it, and there's something very special in, in it, to be able to please our father just by seeking after his favorite people. Oh my gosh! So, um, I know that he provokes them to jealousy through us, but I'm so jealous of them because he loves them so much. And just read the book of Judges. You'll be jealous of them. (laughs) The grace that he extends. But um, I just want to encourage you guys with that. We haven't, I don't know, we've been getting knocked quite a bit at home. When Abner was here at the conference, like the, the last, it was the last day. It was Sunday, I think. And I don't remember what happened. I just know the next thing I'm schnockered. And Holy Spirit and he said somebody at home is getting touched right now. And I was like, Yep, that's me. <laughs> so thank you, Holy Spirit. <laughs> so I hope <laughs> I just want to encourage those online. He wrecks you at home too. So all right. Yes. I I, I yeah. be
0: ready to receive.
2: Okay. Um, Sorry, where are we at?
0: Seven through twelve.
2: Okay. What then? Oh, okay. What then? Israel has not obtained what it seeks, but the elect have obtained it, and the rest were blinded. Just as it is written, this is actually, and this is coming from Deuteronomy 29.4 and Isaiah 29.10, God has given them a spirit of stupor, eyes that they should not see and ears that they should not hear, to this very day. And David says, in Psalm 69, 23, let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a recompense to them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they do not see and bow down their back always. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? Certainly not. But through their fall, to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Now, if their fall is riches for the world and their failure riches for the Gentiles, how much more their fullness?
0: Mm. So we see why Israel has not embraced Christ. They, we see why they have not seen these prophecies as being fulfilled, why they've lived with these generations of teachings bred into them, and this, their culture it ingrained these prophecies, these writings, these scrolls ingrained in their culture because God gives them a spirit of stupor eyes that they should not see, ears that they should not hear to this very day. So he has that, he has done that in the past. We know he is capable of doing that, and we see it in Israel today. Paul saw it in Israel in his time. They just ref- they just can't see it. They don't have the eyes to see it. And that's that's part of his plan. Somehow he's going to work this for his good. We're going to see. But it gave us an opportunity. It gave us a way as Gentiles, as people outside of his faith. It gave us the opportunity now to step up and to grasp that faith and to grasp that salvation and that relationship with him. So through their fall, which here it says they have stumbled that they, sh- have they stumbled that they should fall? Certainly not. So certainly not, they have not fallen. But through their fall to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. So here we see fall two different times. One time says they didn't fall, and one time says that through their fall, Gentiles were saved, so that gave us some questions. What we found out is that there's two words for fall here. There's two separate falls.
2: The first fall is pipto,
0: and pipto means
2: I'm sorry, yeah, no, stumbling. No, it is the first fall, it is pipto. Yes.
0: Pipto means to descend from a higher place to a lower place. Okay, that sounds like a fall, but it, it's. It's definitely from higher to lower. There's a change in position. And then the second.
2: Peraptoma. Yes,
0: <laughs> peraptoma. And that means to fall beside something or near something. So you haven't really changed elevation or position. You have maybe lapsed from truth or and um, so you're still close. You stumble. You stumbled, you I should say, still to I say to then that.
2: they have stumbled that they should fall. Certainly not, but through their stumble. So I think it should, yes. But it's good to know like those words. So that way it can be clear what it was saying. Yes. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. You didn't interrupt me.
0: So it's just a, it's a, to clarify. So there's no um, misunderstanding here.
2: Because I don't know if you're like me, but it's those little things that trip me up. And I go, but that doesn't make any sense. And that's contradictory. So it's really important when you come across that um, to, yes, have, have Strong's Dictionary and being able to look up the, the root words really helps clarify everything. Um, and then also asking Holy Spirit, what does that mean?
0: Because there were some things that we came across where she would read two or three commentaries of well-known Christian um theologists and I would say
2: strongly disagree
0: no sir that is incorrect (laughs) Holy Spirit's telling me this I'm not the guy who went to I don't have a doctorate in theology I didn't you know develop any schools of supernatural but I still feel Holy Spirit prompting me in 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 truth and I I'm going to encourage you to hold on to those moments Because those keep you grounded in him instead of grounded in another man or in another person. So,
2: um, I I was going to say, and I want to say, I've learned so much from you. You really do have a gift on you for this, just seeing behind the scenes. Because I will I will read some of some of our greatest theologians and some of our greatest teachers of, of, of our history and Daniel will go, no, Holy Spirit's telling me something different and he won't stop until he gets that revelation from Holy Spirit and to watch him be able to unfold. I always say that since we've been doing this teaching that there was always fresh manna every every Wednesday night that we came here to teach and and it's been really beautiful to see where Holy Spirit leads you to and, and me, I'm quick to say it's Spurgeon, you know, <laughs> I'm going to take what I read from him, and and you've really taught me to seek Holy Spirit first um, and to always follow that, and so we just want to add that to everybody else, and also, Holy Spirit is our greatest teacher, and he I've said things up here. I've said this statement a lot. And even in like our worship meetings that Daniel and I have no idea what we're doing. We're just following Holy Spirit. And then the Lord chastised me with that. And he said, you can't say that anymore. And I said, well, why not? He said, because I'm your teacher and I know what I'm doing. You and Daniel are walking in obedience and you're saying, yes, you're following me. I know exactly what I'm doing. That is not humility. That is false humility. And you're actually not allowing yourself to be responsible for the things that are done. And so he really had to to catch me on that one. And so now I have to say, we know what we're doing. We're following Holy Spirit. He's the greatest teacher ever. And I want to be held accountable for my teaching and for what I'm doing. So I just encourage you with all of that.
0: Let's go on to uh, 13 through 18.
2: 13 through 18, okay. For I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. If by any means I may provoke to jealousy those who are my flesh and save some of them. For if their being cast away is the reconciling of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? For if the first fruit is holy... The lump is, we just pray a blessing over that person and everybody he comes in contact with right now in Jesus' name. And we pray the spirit of stupid off of him right now in Jesus' name. For if the first fruit is holy, for those of you that don't know online, there was a biker that went by about 100 miles an hour. And I have, right, I have issues. For if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches were broken off, and you, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and with them became a partaker of the root and fatness of the olive tree, do not boast against the branches. But if you do boast, remember that you don't support the root. The root supports you.
0: So the roots that he's talking about, this is, the, this is the God's chosen people. This is his, his kingdom here on earth, his 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 uh, his promise this the seed of abraham that was the promise to be god's people that's the root it's been building since abraham for generation upon generation it has been building and strengthening and through the law it was able to continue to grow and build and strengthen as it as the law needed to be in place so we're talking of millennia of generations building this relationship, this strength in, in relationship with God. In, so these roots grow deep and this tree is strong. And that's the tree that we're being grafted onto. We're being grafted onto the tree of God's chosen nation. So our boasting He's saying, he's warning, this is a warning, to not, what does he say?
2: Do not boast against the branches.
0: Do not boast against the branches, meaning against the nation of Israel, against God's chosen people. Do not boast against them just because you're grafted on there, because you did not do anything to establish that root system.
2: I like what Passion says. So don't be so arrogant as to believe that you are superior to the natural branches. There's no reason to boast, for the new branches don't support the root. But you owe your life to the root that supports you. I like
0: that. Yes, he did bring us in to create this jealousy. He says that, he repeats that again right here. That's, that's what Isaiah spoke or No, that's what, um, in the time of Moses, that's what God said about rousing their jealousy through people who weren't even a nation. So he's bringing this back again here. Yes, we may provoke to jealousy, but remember the, who the first fruits were. He's He's trying to establish this early, like the history that we're being added to so that... God's promise is still intact. That's the key, is that we understand God's promise is still intact. Doug, can you get a microphone?
2: Um, it's right there on the chair. Can you? Oh, I'm sorry, but I forgot. I
3: keep forgetting. Yeah, aren't we, aren't we grafted? You said we're grafted in, right? Yes. So if, if you're grafted into the vine the grafting becomes a branch.
0: Right. We're, one, we're a branch they, grafted onto the, the tree. The Jewish
3: people are the roots. They're
2: also branches. They are also branches. They are also branches. The
0: roots are what support the branches. The, the people are the branches. That's, that's what this, that's what this um, example is, is referring to, is there are people that are
3: cut off, that are... Well, you know, the book that uh, Pastor Tom's been passing out been reading that book at night, and it said that we were the branches and they were the roots.
0: The nation, the structure of who God's chosen people are, those are the roots. The promise, that's the roots.
1: I think the King James uh, clarifies that in verse, um, let's see, it's 20. Twenty-one. It says, for if God God spared not the natural branches, take heed lest ye not spare thee also. So he speaks of them also being the natural branches, even though we're the wild branches.
0: Yes. So there are natural branches. And and there's a remnant. We know there's a remnant. So that's the natural branches that are still a part of the tree to this day. There are still natural branches that are on that tree from out of God's grace for the remnant. We're being grafted in. We're, being grafted, in. we're
3: grafted
0: in from those We're grafted... No.
2: So verse 17, and if some of the branches were broken off in you... Those and are the you, ones that
0: don't believe that have, been, that have forsaken the prophecy. Those are the that,
2: unbelieving Jews. Those are the Jews, unbelieving
0: Jews. They been they've been broken, broken off, off. But of they're the,
2: branches that have been broken off of the root system. So branches that have been broken off of the root system, but you, being a wild olive tree, those are us, we're wild, we're from a totally different... He's taking branches from that wild, and he's grafting it onto the root system of where the the Israel, the broken branches, just came off of. So there are natural branches that are a part of the tree with that root system, and then there are unnatural branches that have been grafted in. But both the people, the Jews, and us, are represented as branches. But the nation and the foundation of God and what He's doing, that is the root system. That's
0: the promise that's been building since Abraham. That's the, the restoration
2: of Israel. Does that make sense? Okay.
0: Yes.
1: He said he's making it a, yes. a one new man. Yes. Exactly. Combining yes. those two branches. Exactly. Yes. Beautiful. Thank, Thank you. you.
0: So let's go ahead and continue with this on 19 through 24.
2: So verse 19, and you will say then, branches were broken off that I might be grafted in.
0: Okay, the branches that were broken off, that's the, those are the unbelievers, the ones that God shut their eyes and their ears so they couldn't hear the truth. So those are the, those are the ones broken off so that we could be grafted in as Gentiles and believers in Christ.
2: Verse 20, well said. Because of unbelief, they were broken off. And you stand by faith. Do not be haughty, but fear. Verse 21, For if God did not spare the natural branches, he may not spare you either. Therefore, consider the goodness and severity of God on those who fell severity, but towards you, goodness. If you continue in his goodness, otherwise you will also be cut off. And they also, if they did not continue in unbelief, will be grafted back in, for God is able to graft them in again. For if you were cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, who are natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree?
3: Okay,
0: so we have the tree, the roots of the seed of Abraham, the tree that has been growing for centuries, generations. We have the branches that have been cut off, the natural branches that have been cut off because of unbelief. We have our branch, us, being grafted on because of belief. We believe, so we're being grafted in. We can still be cut off And set aside, just like the Israelites who are unbelieving. But it does not mean that they are separated from God's love.
2: Yeah, because that stumped me. I was like, this doesn't make any sense. This is a complete contradiction to how Romans 8 ended.
0: He has not cast these branches into the fire. He has not cast them into the rubbish pit. He has not. He, he, He has them available... That if they do not continue unbelief, which means if they do believe, they will be grafted in. Again, he says it. So there, yes, Marion. I said, read,
1: um, let me see, read 25. I want you to understand the mystery. Dear brothers and sisters, so that you will not feel proud about yourselves, some of the people of Israel have hard hearts. But this will last only until the full number of the Gentiles come in to Christ.
0: So he has these branches in waiting. He knows that there are going to be these branches that are become, they will believe. So he has them in waiting. But we have to remember that we can also be cut off even after grafting. And we'll be laying there next to the unbelieving natural branches. We wouldn't be separated from God's love. He still has us waiting for us to believe again, waiting for us to repent and come back to him. He wants us to be grafted in and be a part of this tree. But we can, with our unbelief, be cut off just like the natural branches and once again be waiting to be grafted back in. Philip? Pastor, can you hand that back to him? Oh, Jim's got.
3: I was just thinking that uh, the the last three chapters, Paul really had to go through a lot to kind of remind the, the Jewish people and the Gentiles how much God loved them and how important salvation was. And um, I was thinking about what Alicia said about Esau being hated, and still kind of think, still kind of going back in my mind, does God hate? Certain people, but you know, um, I think it. I think in the Old Testament, Esau and Edom were basically obviated at some point. So that there is that truth that that uh, God did destroy Esau, but He loved Israel and kept Israel. But then there's also the the idea that God calls His people, He the people that He loves, He calls, and then there's the idea that whoever has faith in Him is going to have salvation. So it's almost like there's some mysterious kind of compounded, like, uh, you know how you have with the compound salt. You have um, certain chemicals that go together to make the salt. It's almost like God's calling and faith and um, just uh, his working with us uh, it, it is all some mysterious salvation kind of mixture that that is is really uh, maybe more God than we think it is. Like it's more God saving us than it is Yeah,
0: we try to put him in a box that we can understand, and he does not belong in that box in any shape or form. So we kinda commented on that, the hating of Esau earlier. It wasn't it our concept it's not of malicious. hate our concept of hate is malicious and the the actual word being used is to love less.
2: Yes, so it is it's so it's a it's not a
0: concept that we could, it's, it's not similar to that. where He would didn't be spiteful, destroy
2: Esau because he was maliciously against him in some way.
0: But he did love him less. So if one was to fall, it would be Esau, not not his chosen. So, so it's, it's kind of a different... Um, love
2: less, reject, yeah. Yeah, rejection
0: yeah. versus hatred. Um, yeah. And there was something else I was going to uh, say about your comment, but it uh, escapes me right now.
2: That Well, and you answered it for me, and I love it, that you were like, honey, um, unbelief does not separate you from the love of God.
0: No, it only takes you off of the promise, but you still have access to come back.
2: Which that worship song, when I was asking the Lord about the worship song, for us, our journey began the first time we cried out to the Lord. That's when our conscious journey with the Lord began but he's got a history with us from before we were formed. He's known us all along. He's always been with us. And I think it's important to understand that that's the case for even our unbelieving brothers and sisters, that God loves them so much, and he has a history with them, just like he has a history with us. Yes, Pastor.
1: Comment. Um, Don't do it now because it's too deep. But in Zechariah 12, (laughs) in in 540 B.C., he speaks of the future deliverance of Jerusalem. And in uh, Zechariah chapter 12, he says this. On the day of the Lord, uh, in verse 10, he says, I will pour out my spirit of grace on prayer on the family of David, on the people of Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. They will look on me as one whom they have pierced and mourn for him as for as an only son. So there's a revelation of Christ at Mm -hmm. that moment. It says all the clans will come together, husbands and their wives together. So this, the the revelation of the Messiah was prophesied by one of the Old Testament prophets that on the future time when they come against Jerusalem, I will act in such a way that they will like, oh.
0: Now Mm -hmm. it all comes together.
1: Yeah. And we see the timeline. There's another...
0: Mm -hmm. um, Indicator of that time, like Marion said in the next couple of verses, that, that it will be when the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. So when all the Gentiles that are being called in are in, that's when Israel will be saved. That's when the natural branches will come to belief. Because he already says it's because of their unbelief that they're cut off. So they have to come to belief to be grafted back on. So we know that they will believe in Christ as the Messiah. And that is some as hope. That gives me chills yes. and excitement for Israel that they will come to believe when the Gentiles are in their fullness, Israel will come to believe Jesus, the Messiah, has come and they will be saved. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
2: yeah. And I was listening to Chris Ballatin and I just want to just for you guys to ponder, he said something really powerful. He said, many people are mistaking the last day for the last days. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: We're in the last days. We're not in the last day. (laughs) So because we're in the last days... Revival, harvest, hearts, all of that. So just make sure that you're not crossing both of those. And if you have any questions, you can see Pastor Tom. (laughs) Let's
3: go ahead and finish
0: Verse 25. No, let's go ahead. and We already read 25. Well, Marion
2: did, yes. I know, for time's
0: sake. 26
2: to 36. Okay. But it's so good. Okay, read it in Passion if you get a chance. It's delicious in Passion. Verse 25, so good.
0: All right, 25 in the Passion says.
2: My beloved brothers and sisters, I want to share with you a mystery concerning Israel's future. For understanding this mystery will keep you from thinking that you already know everything. A partial and temporary hardening to the gospel has come over Israel, which will last until the full number of non-Jews has come into God's family. And then God will bring all of Israel to salvation. The prophecy will be fulfilled And that says, the deliverer will come out of Zion and he will turn away from ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant with them. When I take away their sins concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But concerning the election, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. For as you were once disobedient to God, yet have now obtained mercy through their disobedience, even so these also have now been disobedient that through the mercy shown you they also may obtain mercy.
0: Let's stop there just for a second to address that. There's a scripture there that I think was it two weeks ago there was a comment about our performance or our actions or our work somehow can limit
2: our sin can our, take away our gifts. Our
0: gifts are being able to operate through us. And right here in verse 29, for the gifts and the calling of God are, are irrevocable.
2: That's so, just a scripture in itself, period, end of story. It was so beautiful. I was like, oh, Lord, you were giving us the answer. We just needed to wait a couple more times. We just had to time. wait until we got
3: there.
0: <laughs> it was so good. So when you see someone who maybe has fallen into sin, maybe has not represented the gospel well enough by your standards, but they can still operate in the gifts, it it calls into question again, are we questioning the creator? You know, how many times has he put people in power who were not, that didn't look chosen, that didn't look the way we thought they should do, or that maybe even, you know, didn't, even uh, worship him in any way, but he put them in positions of power and purpose for his will, his plan, not because they were good or bad, but because he, his desire was for them to be in that position. So even if we, even if some fall away or fall, you know, fall to sin or, or even some might even reject some of his teachings, if he's working through them, he's working through them And we have to accept that.
2: And just for a fresh... Okay, Todd White, like an example. Todd White is amazing. And look at what the Lord has allowed Todd White's ministry to grow into. And then during this season, just about eight weeks ago, Todd White came and said this has been the hardest season of his life because he has not been preaching the full gospel. He's been preaching an overly grace centered gospel and has been holding back a lot and he got completely blasted by the father and he is now he he made a public it, it was so beautiful and i think not i think and i know that the father everything he's actually getting glorified in this more by Todd White being able to have this revelation and this encounter of and and he's given him this monumental platform this amazing authority and these lives that he's be, in, and he was able to say, I, "I, I got it wrong," and so I think that that we we can never question and and not I shouldn't say we can never we question, can question people's his theology, goodness but you can't and question his,
0: God's working through. Yes, something.
2: like God, I don't understand this, but I know that you're good, and I know that you have a greater purpose for this than what my little mind can understand. I do want is there any revelation I can glean from this for my own life or from what we're doing but to always know that his his mysteries they're, they're so beautiful they're myste- and thank God they're mysteries otherwise we would be God we would ha- like we would be on equal planes and it's just then we yeah it doesn't make sense and I know that that really stumps a lot of intelligent people I have I have a family member that was a reverend for years and he's He went to college for like 25 years, and he's super intelligent, and he fell away from God because he couldn't answer all of the congregation's questions. He didn't have all of the answers, and he ended up losing his faith and walking away because of that. And I so badly want him to read Romans and go, you're not supposed to. (laughs) So that can really trip some people up if they don't have all the questions or all the answers
0: but then that goes back to the purpose of the questioning. Is it the spirit or is it the carnal mind? Yeah. So 33 says, uh, Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has become his counselor? Or who has first given to him, and it shall be repaid to him. For of him, and through him, and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. So he really finishes this section up by the crux of this whole thing who has known the mind of God? How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out? So we need to just release that to him, that that ability to act how he wills. Release that to him. Free ourselves from the burden of trying to box him in, trying to figure him out. He is sovereign. Release his sovereignty to him in all things glorify him and he will and through him and to him are all things so we just yeah it is
2: amen and really quick before we we close out i know we're a little over time but um i have a word for somebody i don't know if it's in this room or if it is online um So you think that because of your past mistakes, the Lord's not able to use you. You have desires of your heart. But I don't know if it comes from age, if it comes from from your lifestyle choices, um, but you feel like you're not able to be used by the Lord and that you've you've kind of you've accepted, a very minimal role in the kingdom because you don't think that, you're, that you have a role, really. Um, and I was asking the Lord what scripture you had for that person, what scripture you had for that person, and he gave me 2 Corinthians 2.14, and in NLT it says, but thank God he has made us his captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession. Now, he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume, and he wants you to know that you are sweet and that he wants to use you. You just have to give him your yes, that he's, he's actually, there's a greater call on your life that the, the, deep down inside you want to be used by him, um, and that wherever you go, there's going to be a sweet aroma of Jesus pouring out of you. So just want to encourage whoever that's for tonight. Second um, Corinthians seven fourteen. So we just thank you for tonight. I'm sorry that it went over a little bit, but we thank you and we love you, and we just pray that everything just, Lord, we just pray for Ron, your word. Ron words. has the
0: microphone. Oh. Ron, did we did oh, we miss you,
2: brother? I'm so sorry.
1: You pretty pretty much answered what I was going to say though, when you were talking about it. But since you asked, there's one other. Just while. Back on the Israel here, back in the new living, I like the way it's said in uh, Romans uh, 11, Mm. verse 12. It says, now if the Gentiles were enriched because the Jews turned down God's offer of salvation, think how much greater a blessing the world will share Mm. when the Jews finally accept it. Yes. yes. Think how much of a blessing the world will share.
0: Yes. We'll right? Share an, Can
1: you an, imagine an the party
2: that's going to be? <laughs> an
0: amazing <laughs> blessing that they will, will share with us.
2: I know. We, we didn't even get a chance to that. Yeah. It's and there's yeah. It just there's so much hope in that. So much hope. Thank you for sharing that, brother. So Lord, we just thank you. We just pray a seal over everybody's heart and just protection over everybody as they drive home. We love you. We thank you, Lord for tonight. And we just bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.